The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Today the scripture reading comes from Colossians 3, verse 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thus says the word of the Lord. Uh, Before we go to the word of the Lord, I just want to say a disclaimer. Uh, As we have been going through our core values, uh, many of you may have recognized at the beginning, we talked about what we believe as a church. Some of you may have been offended as to what we believe and what we hold to as biblical truths that are essential. Uh, one of the things we say we're essential, which brings unity, but, but in, 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 in what's essential, but in the non-essentials, there's charity. That's what we were saying. And within those seven essentials, we talked about what we believe. You heard everything from affirming that scripture is the word of God. It is awe-inspiring. It's infallible. You heard everything about what it means for us to be evangelistic and making disciples. You also heard about the coming of the Lord. Uh, You also heard about what it means to be the true church. None of these points and all seven of them have we exhausted them. However, we want to, for our people to know what we believe and what we hold to. 
And as we continue in talking about this DNA series and what's a part of our lives, you remember at the outset of the year, many of y'all may, may have not been able to make it to the vision night, but we talked about what our vision is as a church. The downtown church exists to form a new community. Say new community. By, radically. Say radically. Loving Christ and loving neighbor. We're very intentional on what we're saying. The reason being is because we want that to be the very thing that you take as the mantle of your life and that becomes how you apply it. But we also are trying to flesh that out through what we believe, the essentials, but then also who we are in terms of the core values. These demonstrate the reality that we ought to not just see these as downtown church's values, but as owners of this church, not guests of this church, whether you're a member or a regular attender, you need to embody these core values. And so what we, what we are trying to root and ground this entire sermon series in is the fact that as a downtown church member or regular attender, if you call this your family, these are the things we want you to hold near and dear to your heart. Amen? And so as we have talked about the glory of the Lord, and you heard Richard talk about living a Christ-centered life, this week we're talking about intentional relationships. Intentional, intentional relationships. Have you ever heard a message on retentional, intentional relationships and how oftentimes we ought to be a part of community? Many of us have heard that in the sense that advertising or encouraging you to join community groups, which I want you to do if you're not in a community group, please. Uh, do we have a visitor here that used to, to attend here? Deshekinah? Shout out to you, sister. Amen. She used to be a part of our body and she moved to Florida, so it's good to see you back. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for visiting us. Always good to see family um, coming from different places. Uh, Shekinah used to be a part of our member, our church here. But as that, as a member of our church, we want you to embody these things. And so we're talking about intentional relationships and when you many, many times you heard intentional relationships probably as gospel community, encouraging you to get involved in community, et cetera, et cetera, in which we will talk about some of that this morning. But if you have considered downtown church your home as a regular attender or you're a member here and you've taken vows, this is going to be in a, a pastoral instructional message, a pastoral instructional message. I believe sincerely that if you are a part of a body, part of trusting one another is to accept correction and to accept cor instruction, to accept reproof and rebuke. If you, can re if you can rebuke me, if you can correct me, instruct me, same with my son. If you can do that, we have a level of trust, right? I remember when people initially would correct my son, my family even, because we don't see them all the time. I'm from St. Louis, and they, they would correct them. At first, there was something that came up in me like, oh, you don't talk to him like that. But if I believe that they love him just as much as they love me, I love him, then everything that they're saying is in the idea in which they're trying to correct him because they love him, not trying to correct him because, they, because, they, because simply he's doing something wrong. I believe the same thing should happen in our, in our body, right? as intentional and correctional messages, this is not something to slap us with, but it's also something to make sure that we know there are issues in our church, amen, because we're not a perfect church. We would be lying if we're a perfect church. We'd be lying to say we come here each and every Sunday and everything is peaches and cane. Uh, what is it, peaches and cream, sorry, I said peaches and cane. I don't get all the little, the little, the little phrases all the time, but, but, but if, if, if we believe that then, I want you to understand that this message is not so that you can be discouraged. This message is for you to be encouraged in the Lord. 
Because as Paul is talking to the Colossian church, you remember last week that Richard was talking about what it meant to see yourself in the creational sense and how God made you. We talked about the glory of the Lord. In fact, I think that God, you can look at each and every one of yourselves. You can look at your neighbor and say, you're a miracle. You are assigned and you are a wonder. Oftentimes, we try to look at them in so many different ways. We try to look at things, but you can look at the person next to you and see that they've been transformed by the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ and say, you are a miracle. And I think the Colossian church can say that to one another because of all of the false teaching, everything that was trying to be added to the gospel, Everything that the, that the believers who struggled with trying to see God as preeminent, trying to understand what it means to be with God, with Christ, all of them struggled with that. Why? Because the gospel was new to them. That community was new with them. Some of us struggle with the same things because many of us come from predominantly white churches. Many of us come from predominantly Chinese, Korean, or, or another Asian church. Many of us come from a predominantly Latino church or Hispanic church. Some of us come from a predominantly Haitian church or African church. Some come from predominantly white church. And now you are you're a part of this body. Some of y'all have never been a part of a church before. And this is your first church. This is your only church. Many of us, we all bring something though. And, and that's what's happening in the church. That everybody in the Colossian church are bringing things. Some are bringing false teaching. Some are bringing magic and mysticism and, and syncretism and all of these different things. But they're not supposed to be the thing that define the gospel. The gospel is supposed to define them. If I can just get one amen, I, I, I'll keep preaching. The gospel is supposed to define us, beloved. This is why the core values are, 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 are important for us. But I need you to pray for your pastor. Because as I was prepping this, I'm serious. It was hard for me to, to write down the things that I was writing down. And it's going to be very difficult for me to say them. Why? Because I know some of us will be offended. Some of us will say, well, what are we trying to do? Or what, what, what do I need to do more? And I don't want you to think about what you need to do more necessarily. I just want you to feel the heartbeat of your congregation, of your family. If you ever had a family meeting or sit down and y'all have had to have some hard conversations and difficult conversations, they're not fun, but good tension moves you forward. Bad tension moves you backwards. So pray with me and pray for me as we dive into God's word. I will not, by the way, be able to exhaust all 17 verses. This week, we're talking about intentional relationships. Next week, we're talking about active integrity and respect. That will be a continuation of this message in, in, in some sense, in form. So know that I am not going to exhaust everything, every line on this particular, in this particular chapter, although I want to. And that is my, uh, it's also my, the curse, but I can't exhaust everything out of this. So let me pray to the Lord. And pray with me. Father, we love you and we bless you. Some things are difficult as coming as a community. It's easy sometimes to not even deal with some issues. But Lord, you, you, you called us to be unified. You called us to be a body. And so I pray, Jesus, that this moment is a pivotal moment for many of us. Some who are hurt and broken in this congregation. Some that they kind of come don't really want to be here, but they know that you have drawn them here. Others who have 
no idea as to what some of our brothers and sisters are dealing with. I pray that in that pot, you begin to stir something by the power of your spirit and that you move your people not to hear words from this preacher, but to hear you. And I pray, God, that every word of my mouth and everything that is in my heart and on my mind is not my thinking, but it is you speaking directly to your people. For it is in Jesus' mighty name that all God's people said, amen. There are deep divisions in our society that have infiltrated the church. Deep divisions in our society that has caused Christian community, particularly here at Downtown Church, to be affected by partisan politics, to also find ourselves defending government officials and candidates more than we are defending the gospel in which saved us from the power of death. We've been infiltrated by tribalism and nationalism, holding more tightly to patriarchy than our identity being in Christ. We have been infiltrated, beloved, by gender issues and various different ideologies that have developed from social and cultural norms of our society which oppose the very theology that is supposed to inform our sociology. Granted, we have heard much of this preached in our congregation before, but how much of it has touched you personally? How much of it has affected you? Listen, when I ask these questions, because I think they pertain to us, why do we have issues with cross-ethnically? Why do we, some, enjoy the feel of our body or feel excluded from our body? Why are there people holding grudges against one another that hinder our unity? Why do we struggle to see one demographic reflected in our youth? Why do we see, why, is it, why does it still feel awkward for some to enter into our community? Why do our children not have a healthy understanding of what it means to build intentional cross-cultural relationships and intentional relationships in our church is it because of our lack of intentionality with developing what it means to be a church member is church optional is being a part of this body optional why do we have a negative outlook on dominant culture the dominance that's in our church. Do our children have a poor understanding of what it means to have or live a Christian life because of how we have been lethargic? The title of this sermon is Can We Live Together? And that title came from reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, which Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you know anything about him, came to America, particularly he resided in New York, and learned how to fight the German Nazis from the African-American church. He felt a pull to go back 
to Germany in order to fight, in which I would call that brother a martyr. But can we live together because of the costliness of what it requires to live together? If you had a roommate, you understand. If you got a spouse, <laughs> you understand. If you're shacking, you shouldn't understand. This notion, can we live together, is one that is re- should be rhetorical for Christians. Again, because if it requires anything, it requires renewed people coming together as a renewed society. Renewed people coming together as a renewed society. The martyrdom that, require, that was required for Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his fellow comrades It's the same martyrdom that requires many of us to walk into this congregation. As you look at this building, some of you marvel. Some of you are here for the building. But at the same time, it exposes all of the weaknesses and the ugliness of something that is beautiful and has rich tradition. I think that this building, building in some regard, reflects our congregation. That there is beauty in brokenness, but it's hard to live in a place like this because of all of what's exposed. It's difficult to live in a body like ours because of what's exposed. But what Paul tells his church is that you are supposed to be renewed. And you remember in Romans 12, 1, that we are not transformed simply in our cultural and social issues. We're actually transformed by the renewing of our, by the renewing of what? And not to be conformed to this world. So if I were to say one thing that I want you to hold on this morning, I do not have three points or two points. I have one thing that I want you to hold on, and I am going to walk through the commands that Paul lists out in this particular, this particular passage. And what I want you to hold on to this morning, beloved, is that it is only his word, love and peace, that can, live, that can have us live together as a renewed society. It is only his word, love, and peace that can cause us to live together as a renewed society. Remember, a part of us being downtown church is to be a new community, to form a new community. And thus, in doing so, that the modifier for Loving Christ and neighbor is the radicalness. If we are radical, if you are radical, you will do things not like the culture. It will be countercultural. You will understand femininity not from gender issues, but from biblical ways. You will understand ethnicity and race not from what you get out of society, but what you get out of your theology. So again, the renewing of the individual 
slowly in our congregation has to be sanctified in a way that causes them to die to them to themselves every time you enter into community group every time you come into the sanctuary every time you try to go through our check-in system every time that you put uh try to put find a way to put your child every time that you feel like when you walk through the door somebody passes you and they don't say anything to you and you feel offended by that by somebody who said something that's hard hard harmful somebody probably said something that's racist you've been in community with people that have said things that are prejudiced and you don't even understand how to interact with those things but the thing about it is is it to say oh i need to find another church or is it to say no i need to address that with my brother and or sister that's what paul helps us with that's what paul helps us with beloved when we look at this I want you to understand that even when it comes to the costliness of what it means to be a part of this congregation and a part of any family of God, it should change your lives. What does that mean very practically, Mike? Some of us are in various different extracurricular activities. In fact, we have our children and 50 different extracurricular activities. And in having those, what happens is we don't think that we have time for community because our kids are playing soccer, playing football, baseball, playing video games, piano lessons, drum lessons. We even cannot miss going to the golf course and so we prioritize that over community. And what happens is we don't realize, man, I don't prioritize my family. <laughs> I come, I get a word. I come, I try to get some good worship. And I just try to be, I, I, just, I just, you know, I'm just part of the, I'm part, I just come and get something out of this community. But you know, what's funny is that as we begin to, to do those things, for some of us who have children, it affects the way they enter into community. It affects the way that they become a church member. When they go off to, to, church, when they go off to school, they have a hard time finding the church because church wasn't prioritized. Church family wasn't prioritized. Mike, what are you getting to? We need to live together. The commands that Paul lists out here, and when it comes to being an intentional relationship, that's the core value of our church, is that he wants them to be intentional and harmonized by what he sees in Christ. And thus, we have here in verse 5 where he tells them to put to death. Then in verse 8, he tells them to put away. And also, in verse 9, another command is, which, is, which all of these are prepositional, which another command is, do not lie to one another. And then, verse 12, he says, put on then. And then in verse uh, 14, he says, above all, I'm going to struggle with this, above all, he says, uh, above all, put on love. Verse 15, he says, be thankful. Verse 17, Everything in, the, uh, in everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, do it for him. Whatever you do, 
These are all commands. But when he starts off in verse, verses one through four, the with Christ formation, I want you to look at that because it's coming right out of when he is trying to talk to believers who are struggling with false teaching. He says, if you then were, have been raised with Christ, which is a, a good picture, which we'll talk about the mode and the historical theology that people came out of the tomb and not necessarily six feet under. And necessarily, uh, we, can, we can talk about that. All right? But you see them raised, children, from the baptism. And what he is saying, when you look at verse 1, seek the things above. Where is Christ? Well, I mean, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Here's the other with Christ. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. If Christ is your life, Dietrich Bonhoeffer made a whole section in his book about how Jesus Christ was a member of the body and that he actually made us members to be a part of the body after he ascended to heaven. But this body is a spiritual body and it's complicated and it doesn't fully register with many of us because in a Western society, we don't see ourselves as a collective body. We see ourselves as individual households. And so what happens is when someone sees themselves as an individual household, they conduct themselves as such. But if we were to come underneath the same banner and or values of the church, what happens is we begin to hold to some of the same core principles that also govern everything that we do. So then it's not just the Davis household doing our own thing. It's actually all of the households. It's the Harveys. It's the Rhodes. It's the Wrights. It's the Reeves. It's the Baldwins. It's the Whites. It's all of us are coming together under the same core values. And we're saying as a family, we're going to strive together. And so this with Christ is a picture and heavy picture of past actions, past events, hidden in Christ, present event, revealed with Christ at his appearance, future event, all of which show that progressively we are going somewhere. And so Paul sets this introduction up so that they, he says, since you're going somewhere, put to death. Therefore, what is earthly? So why is he saying put to death? Literally, when I think about this particular passage, I'm talking to the multi-ethnic church, the multi-class church, the multi-generation church. I'm talking to you downtown church because the reason being is, is that in order for us to, as I said earlier, live together, we have to mortify the flesh. Mortification oftentimes is only seen as an individualistic duty. But what if I were to say to you, Paul essentially gets to verse 11 saying that you mortify your flesh because there should not be Jew or Gentile. There should not be circumcised or uncircumcised. Essentially, there shouldn't be black folks feeling the racism from white folks or white folks feeling that they are not good enough or white guilt being assuaged through particular deals. There shouldn't necessarily feel as if like this is only a church for a, a particular demographic of people. We should be able to ask questions to our leadership. We should be able to engage 
engage deeply in relationship, understanding that the things that are causing conflict in my mind and my heart, it may not be sexual immorality, but you need to put it to death, but it could be impure thinking. That's why he says, put away impurity. Put away impurity. Oh, okay. I'm not having sex with, with my boyfriend. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not struggling with pornography anymore. Or, or you may be struggling with pornography. You should have a community group that helps you or brothers that come alongside of you, particularly in this congregation. And also, why do I push it a little bit more? Because some of us need to have diverse accountability in order for us to understand and have the same values that we hold to in our church. So this mortification is far more than simply coming to know Christ. You seek the things above because if we were to say, yes, we want to look like Revelation 7, 9, what does that mean then in the context of seeking things above? What does it mean to set your mind on things above? It means that we look further beyond the things that are holding us down. And so, this is idolatry because of the passions and the evils and the covetousness. This is idolatry, which with they, for them, idolatry was self-pleasure. It was control of their lives. It wasn't necessarily to value the same things. The devil wants us not to have total sufficiency and belief in Christ. He wants us to doubt everything about our community, and he wants us to leave it and bounce around at different places, always asking the same question, when is community going to meet my needs? told you I wasn't going to be able to get through the whole, the whole thing. But the next command is to put away, put them all away. Put them all away in verse 8. Put them all away. What are you putting away? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. These are the things that you're putting away. Today, obscene talk could be racial slurs. Uh, today, obscene talk could be backbiting. The anger that you have in your heart against another brother or sister, God is, I mean, yes, the Lord himself through his word is saying you need to die to that and you need to come alongside of your brother or sister and try to walk with them through some of the issues that you are seeing arising in your church. But it's difficult. Why is it difficult? Because so many different things try to destroy the integrity of our community. I remember doing a kind of race relational training at a school and the school had a predominantly white staff and as it did, we had them list out all of the negative descriptors and uh, 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 stereotypes of their students and people that they seen in different ethnic groups. And it was hard to see what they wrote on those index cards because much of it described Black folks as lazy and violent. Hispanic folks as hardworking but poor. It described Asian folks as smart and safe. It described white folks as the norm. And what, what happened, my comrade asked me, how do you feel looking at this? And I try not to feel a lot, beloved. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you about myself. I try not to feel a lot. And so I, I told him in a moment, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect me. But it does. I think that's the same thing that happens in our body. 
Some of us ignore some of the realities that affect us, but we go home each and every day leaving this place mad at somebody else, holding a grudge against somebody else, instead of trying to go, with it, go to them and make peace. You see, the devil wants to destroy our community. So trying to make your way out of the door isn't the way. Trying to find some quote unquote better community, it's not the way. Trying to work here with your family, that's the way. On another note, money y'all gonna be mad at me about this. Personality test. I think I'm tired of them. (laughs) Myers-Briggs, Ideogram, whoever else. Susie Q, I'm tired of them. And the reason being is, is because I remember being in seminary and we had took this personality test and I promise you, every time I engaged with an individual, they asked me, what was my personality? Or they tried to figure me out. You an ENFJ. You an EBABC. They start speaking in tongues. You EBBO. No, I'm joking. I'm glad y'all laughing because I can always be silly. Well, today it's, what number are you? Are you a two, three? That's why I always say I'm off the charts. I'm 1,500. (laughs) The reason being, beloved, is because it is so easy to find my identity and what these things tell me about my personality, what the Bible tells me who I am in Christ. The Bible tells us our giftings. The Bible gives us our instructions. The Bible tells us to encourage and exhort the things that we see in each other, not to try to figure out the personality of the individual so that we can be a closer community with one another, beloved. So y'all, be mad at me. Be mad at me. I think there's some helpfulness to those things, but I don't, I don't do it. Why? Because I believe that God, if he restored, if he redeemed, and if he renews, the reality is the same things that we describe ourselves are, we can box ourselves in, but God is doing far more than what a two, a three, a ENFJ, or any of that in your life and shaping and molding you, renewed people make a renewed society. Shaping and molding you, renewing your mind and your knowledge, and so you can look like your creator. That's what the Bible says. That's the Bible says. I'm going to have to end this a little early. I'm not, I didn't even get to where I wanted to get to. But we're going to continue to go next week. But downtown is telling us, though, in verse 9, the next command is do not lie on one another. Because it's telling us to put off some things. And so I put these jackets on, and I'm hot. <laughs> because... There's some things that we put on that we need to put off. Because we could be putting on social and cultural norms on ourselves so much so that we are just frustrated with the community. And so then when it comes to, hey, can you help set up or can you help do this or can we do it together? Can you be a part of a community group? Can we just come together and love each other? All of these different things, man. We're not asking you to do it because we want to add things to your plate. We're asking because we want to love each other. But here's the lie, and this is why Paul says do not lie to each other. Because the lie is, is that do you not really want to be a part of this community? Do you want to be a consumer and not a contributor? Do you want to be a taker and not a partaker? 
Because the line is, is to keep on the old self and to keep the things that you haven't mortified and try to walk with others. But you'll be hot, loaded down, and not wanting to walk with your brothers and sisters because of all that you didn't put on. I'm going to end it right here. And we'll, get to the, we'll finish it next week. Because I think it still gets to active integrity and respect. Paul says, why are you putting this off with its practices? And I want to I definitely bring out of the context that the practices are magic, mysticism, and false teaching. Okay? But many of us believe because we have good theology that we don't bring any practices with us. I think we do. I think we bring cultural practices of East Memphianism, we bring cultural practices of South Memphianism, bring cultural practices of North Memphianism. We bring all of our different practices. Everything that is a way of life that we're used to living and not doing it in Christ together. Everything, I want, I don't, don't miss what I said. We bring all those practices. We try to suffuse them with knowing Christ and not putting them off so that we can have a new self. And why does he say you need to put them off? Because it begins to renew the knowledge that you have in knowing who you are. Ben, come on. If we then are to have this and to own this putting off, we have to be honest with ourselves. I told you, this is an instructional message. Because, beloved, I guarantee the more we love each other, the more we pray for each other, the more we are renewed. And, and see, the thing is, I don't, we don't say, hey, come, come, come be a part of worship night so you can just be a part of worship night. Go, 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 go out and just be a part of the men's fellowship just to be a part of the men's fellowship. Go, go to the women's Bible study just because we want to add something else to your plate so you can be a part of women's Bible study. No, <laughs> we want you to do it so we can get to know you. We can develop and grow in the Lord one uh, together. When I was back home, I preached at my home church and I was yelling, <laughs> screaming, doing all of that. And my pastor got up, and he said, you know, I, he said, this is my son in the ministry. Uh, he said, I didn't ever think I would have a son in the ministry. He worked hard. He was bivocational. He was a lawyer and a pastor, and he gave his all to the church. If I wasn't committed to that church when, see, y'all, some of y'all think, like, oh, he's a pastor now. He, you know, he, this, is what, this is what he's been doing for a long time. Nope. I was a church member. I was holding the buckets. I was sweeping and cleaning the floors. I was turning the lights on and turning the lights off. If somebody threw a rock at the window, they would call my phone. They still call my phone today saying somebody's trying to break in. And so when he said he's a son in the ministry, he didn't just say, hey, this is my son who I've poured some things in. No, he's seen me grow in the Lord. And though that some people think I'm at Al Green's church, 
when I'm back in St. Louis. I tell them I'm part of a community that is intentionally fighting every barrier and wall to come together. I know that it can be cold in here sometimes. I know that it can be hard in here sometimes, but we are fighting and pressing every single time. Is there some people that want to press this morning? Let me pray and we're going to finish this thing next week. Father, we love you and we bless you because you are mighty and a holy God. One that reminds us each and every day that just like these brothers who were baptized and took communion and took vows, that they will grow up to know who you are, but then also know one another in an intentional and, and very intimate way that is a picture of the body of Christ and a unity that we ought to emulate. Help those bro boys help us. And God, strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit. For it is in Jesus' mighty name that all God's people said, Amen. As we continue to worship God, let us worship God by giving the gifts of God. Amen.